Hello beings everywhere. I'm Rachel Crookshank and this is Human Being to Whole Being, changing the way we look at health. Each week I'll be talking to somebody new about what health means to them. I'm on a mission to make well-being less about size or shape and more about our feelings, our energies and our relationships and so much more. It's time we start to look at the body as a whole and realise that all aspects of our day-to-day lives feed into a sense of health and well-being. Whole being is exactly this, from what we eat, our morning rituals, to finding professional and personal boundaries or being in nature. What makes you feel whole? Stay tuned. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Human Being to Whole Being. I'm here with Iman Ismail. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. My pleasure. Well, I say here, but you're in like a co-working greenhouse, which looks amazing. Yeah, it is. It is stunning. Um, Partly why I chose to work here, actually. It's just so inspiring. It's really, it's green. And right now I'm sat in an actual greenhouse and there are just plants everywhere. I love that. It's such a nice space to work. And has it been, so have you only just managed to go back there since lockdown and things? Yeah, it closed. It closed at the end of March and it opened on the 1st of July. So I think we're on the 15th of July today. So we've only been here only been back here about two weeks so still kind of getting used to being back and just really relieved that yeah we've got some kind of normality again yeah how was lockdown for you I mean I guess to some extent we're kind of I don't know if we're in lockdown or not anymore I keep calling it lockdown but it feels like the world's opening up but how how has it been for you it felt pretty crazy oh it felt pretty crazy actually so I have a four-year-old and um, he is he's lovely and really easy to kind of work with and work around um so i didn't have to worry too much about that but obviously he's four so he wants my attention when when we're together and the great thing about having an online business which i guess we'll get into in a second um is that i everything was already online for me anyway so not much changed for me business wise the biggest thing was when childcare shut down i suddenly had to do full-time work in part-time hours and that was absolutely insane it was insane was it quite I guess a bit of a shock to the system then going from like you've got your routine you go to your co-working space you drop your kid off at you at it's gonna say uni at like nursery and stuff <laughs> or with childminder and then suddenly it's like out of nowhere yes it was a huge shock it really was and I think I, I remember at the beginning when the government kind of said oh you know it would be a three-week thing at that point, I had already in my mind told myself that we were not going to be out of lockdown until September because that's the only way I could cope with it. <laughs> because I knew that if I believed that it was only three weeks and they kept extending it, I'd just lose my mind. So I was like, right, this is, I mean, because really we all knew, right, that nothing, is gonna, nothing was going to change in three weeks. So I just kind of forced myself to, I guess, deal with the situation and adapt to the situation. And as much as my routine was, been just blown to smithereens I I guess as as was everyone's I don't want to sound like I you know little old me but um I just I tried to stick to my routine as closely as I could so every morning my son wakes up extremely early so every morning we were up early I showered I dressed I had breakfast I I got him ready I had his breakfast like we were in our clothes ready as if we were going out at like I don't know eight o'clock and I'd start my work as if it was a normal working day and we did that for just the the full three months so it was difficult because 
weekdays kind of blurred into weekends and you know we didn't know <laughs> didn't know what day it was anymore every day was just getting as much work as possible done around obviously parenting and the great thing was that we had a couple of weeks where it was I think a few weeks where the weather was beautiful so we got to go out a lot and explore kind of the woodlands um in my area and yeah we had lots of water fights and so there was a lot of fun as well that's good yeah I guess you have I mean especially I think as a self-employed person you have no choice but to adapt because you are your business you don't have anyone else to rely on and you don't you know yeah there was some support but you know you only have yourself and so I think you're quite used to as a self-employed person anyway like adapt or you know adapt to survive basically so I guess in some senses lockdown is just one of many things as a self-employed person that you have to deal with but then you've got this four-year-old as well like I cannot even imagine it was a lot it was it was a lot and I feel like I I I just kept thinking if I feel like this how must the kids feel in all of this like just how strange must this be and it's been really interesting watching my son adapt so he I mean they kids adapt so quickly anyway it's just amazing so he pretty quickly accepted the whole situation and he was actually really happy that he got to spend a lot more time with me and um, so he was completely fine he's not going back to nursery for a little bit yeah but then when nursery did start up his um not a lot of his friends went back the parents kind of kept them home so he had to go to nursery and and he wasn't around his usual friends and I thought he was he was doing really well actually Um, but one day over breakfast he asked me if his best friend was going to be at nursery and I'd said no not yet but he'll be back in a couple of weeks and he just burst into tears and he never cries like he never cries um you know obviously he's a toddler he has you know his little tantrums and that kind of stuff but to be genuinely emotional about seeing his friend it that was really sad and that put it into context for me that this has been this has been so hard on everyone and if it's been this hard on the adults it's been really hard on the kids as well I think so and I think kids like really pick up on what's going on and they understand it maybe not on like a linguistic level that they can put into words what's happening or understand the language that we're using which is a huge thing for you and your work which we will get onto. but do you know what I mean like but I think they still understand it on like a very emotional level which clearly he is yeah, you know he yeah. understands the emotion behind I mean we have so much to learn from kids in that respect I think so true and I think well one thing I try to do is I try not to talk down to him so I will kind of sit him down and tell him what the situation is and you know what's going on just be really kind of open about things and so now he um he's really funny I call him a little coronavirus alarm because if anyone is within a meter of us he'll be he'll he'll literally say to them oh you're too close you're too close I don't want to catch coronavirus and it's it's really funny to see him understand the boundaries and that you know there is a thing that is making people sick and and so I'm lucky because he's you know he's four years old so he he obviously doesn't get it but to a certain extent I can help him understand but wow I mean there's just so many different levels of so many different pockets of the community that have been affected in so many different ways uh, my my cousin who is more like my sister had her baby uh, like three days before we went into lockdown wow. and so yeah just watching her and other mums other new mums as well having um, you know, a baby and going through all of that and the hormones and the exhaustion and not being able to go to, you know, mum and baby groups or even go outside as much as they'd like to. 
yeah, I just thought, wow. Everyone was struggling with something. It was just so hard for everyone. Definitely. And then so many direct, um, you know, things, but also so many indirect effects of it as well. So um, anyway, we could talk about this all day long. Everyone's like, we've heard enough of Corona. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell everyone what it is that you do. I, I run a business called Ink House. It's a copywriting business. I am an email conversion strategist and copywriter. I write revenue boosting, relationship building emails for online business owners and e-commerce brands. Amazing. So, I mean, I'm not going to like, you know, I always get, and I'm, I, you know, we have to do it, but my experience with copywriters is a lot of random people in DMs, you know, sending those messages that you're like this doesn't even make sense like I can make your business so much money and stuff but I'd like seen so much of your stuff on Instagram and I always feel like the universe just sends people into your sphere kind of who you like need to see or need to hear about and I think that's like what happened with you I just kept seeing your stuff and I was like I just love this so for anyone out there who does not know what a copywriter is can you tell them? Because I'm sure there's lots of people who are going to be like, what is this? Obviously we see like the sea of copyright a lot, but mm-hmm. maybe we don't actually know what it means or is it the same thing or? Completely different. So yeah. that's, that's a question that I get asked all the time. So can you help me with like, you know, trademarking and stuff? And that is not what copywriters do. Copyright is one thing. And then copywriters, um, we write basically the marketing materials for businesses so anything that has words on it that is selling your thing whether it's a product a service a course um you know it could be anything your podcast even selling you know a free ebook all the words around that is what we call copy so copy is is getting your audience to act in a certain way using words so that is the point of things is to make it's, it, that's the point of copy is to make people do a certain thing and to act in a certain way once they've read your words mm-hmm. so it might be that you want them to sign up for your free ebook it might be that you want them to subscribe to your podcast it might be that you want them to hire you it might be that you want them to buy your online course all that kind of stuff so yeah hopefully that explains that a little yeah definitely it's language is just so powerful isn't it as well and in my one-to-one work clients I'm always saying like the language that you use whether you're talking about yourself or other people or in this instance like if you want to sell something you know words have power don't they oh 100% and I think you don't really you don't really realize until you see its effect so I was actually just checking out some stats on my own website and the average conversion rate of a landing page so um conversion rate being you know you have a number of people a certain number of people that come onto a a landing page or i guess we could just call it a web page (laughs) um versus the number of people that actually buy the thing that you're trying to sell on that page so the average rate is uh, average conversion rate for a landing page is something like like i checked on google said like two percent right so i yeah it's really low because it's copywriting is a really hard thing to do and i have a new service called borrow my borrow my brain uh, where basically i coach other copywriters and they can um, hire me for 30 minutes or 60 minutes and we can just i help them with kind of all their problems and and allow them to give them advice so they can set up their own copywriting business too anyway my point is that when i first wrote the page 
I didn't kind of do it as I should have. I feel like when it's my own stuff, I don't really put a whole lot of effort into it, which is changing now. Um, I am now, you know, wanting to work as hard on my own copy as I do for all my clients' copy. But that now that I've rewritten that page, it has a 16% conversion rate. Wow. Which is, yeah, which doesn't sound like much, but consider that the average is like 2%. That's a really, really good conversion rate like really good and the idea that words have the power to motivate someone to do a thing is amazing it's amazing so yeah if you if if anyone is listening they don't know much about copy I really think it is something that every business owner should know about if you're not hiring a copywriter then you should at least be learning how to write your own copy so that you can try to do this yourself Definitely. Because I think, you know, it's even like if you're putting the effort into writing some stuff, that's obviously brilliant. But if you're putting that effort in and you're getting a 2% conversion rate, exactly, you know, that's great. But if you're putting then just a little bit more effort in or asking someone's help, which I'm the biggest fan of, I'm like, get more Absolutely. people involved, ask for help. You know, you don't have to do everything by yourself, especially if you're self-employed and you're already like up against it kind of thing as a one-man band yes you know but imagine if you put in a little bit more effort and then you get 16 percent. that's going to equate to like zero 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 on the end of like your paycheck <laughs> as opposed to you know like you know a few pennies or something so that's powerful absolutely it really is it really you is think that people struggle maybe with copy obviously there's like a linguistic element of essentially english language in this instance because we're english um but do you feel that it's almost like people don't know how to sell themselves or is there a little bit of almost embarrassment between like having to plug yourself because i guess essentially it's promo right yeah and I think it's a bit of all those things and probably also because people you know everyone can write so everybody thinks they can write copy because all they have to do is write and that is just so not the case I have a really strong academic background I have been writing all my life and I still had to retrain as a copywriter because there is just so much to know. It's a completely different kettle of fish. It's not like any other type of copywriting, any other type of writing, including creative writing, academic writing, or anything else that people kind of think, oh, well, I've done that, so I'd be able to do this. Mm. It is um, it is writing plus sales, plus marketing, plus psychology, plus persuasion, plus influence. Yeah. It is, there's just so much to it. And add that, so add the fact that people aren't actually trained in doing this and they don't actually know what to do. Sometimes, a lot of the time, people don't even know what they don't know. They have no idea that this is a thing that you actually need to go and learn. So on top of that, there's the fact that people are uncomfortable around selling their thing. And I understand that as a business owner. I know that it's hard, but I think that when you really believe in what you do and you really believe that you're providing a service to people and that you know that you can help people and that you're valuable to them, you have to stop thinking of yourself as selling a thing and you have to start thinking of it as I am presenting my solution to a person that it can help. It can help you. I believe it can help you. I want to help you. You need to know about this solution as a completely different mindset shift right and then what was the third thing you said because you said something else that was really cool can you remember um, <laughs> self-promo was it yeah just yeah the whole shame around selling and the whole not wanting to you know 
think it's maybe put too much arrogance versus promo and it's hard when you are the self-employed person say if it's like you're representing someone else like your business like let's say Colgate is the business you know and I'm a representative for them I probably wouldn't feel any shame because I'm like well this is my job I'm hired by them but I definitely at the beginning of my job of you know becoming freelance was you know almost found like yeah you know I'm just just doing this thing and you know I just like yeah and anyway how are you you know and you just want to like get away from it as soon as possible because when it comes to selling your business when you are your business like you're the copywriter for your copyright business right so ultimately you're selling yourself and that is kind of scary and vulnerable place to be in but I think the language there then is so powerful as opposed to like, oh, I'm just doing this thing versus like, this is what I've got. This is how it can help you. Da, da, da. I feel like Absolutely. everyone needs you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I really agree. It is important to be, to feel comfortable in, in selling yourself. It's not something to be shameful of. And I think that, I mean, it takes a, it takes a long time to get there. I struggled with that a lot. It took me a while to get over it. Um, but one thing I wanted to say was I was watching a show on Netflix and one of the characters said something like, they said, no one is coming. And I just thought, wow, it's, that's so applicable in everything. Meaning no one is coming. No one is coming to help you, to save you, to put you in the spotlight. Nobody can do this but you. No one is going to promote you. Nobody's going to sell your thing. It's all on you when you're a business owner. So you really have to show up for yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And if you don't sell who you don't sell your thing, who, who else is going to sell it? Definitely. And I, you know, I subscribe to lots of different emails and a lot about like creative and freelance um, sphere, especially. And one of the emails the other day was like, get excited about what you're doing. And, you know, I suppose it's just a different method essentially of like what you're saying, but that is, you know, if that excitement and that passion can come through, um, that's so important to show people the importance and the like the life behind what you're doing and I guess that's what you're doing putting like words to life to make them more than just like a word essentially absolutely and people can sense that if you're not excited about it people can sense that and they won't get excited either and that's why even as a copywriter I don't work on projects that don't interest me and that don't excite me if something comes to me and it is it bores the heck out of me and it, you know, it may not bore, it definitely doesn't bore, you know, everyone, but it doesn't resonate with me. I don't find it interesting. I don't understand it. It's just not my thing. I'll say no, because I'm not doing that person any justice by saying yes, because I won't be able to get excited about it. And that's what, that's what they need me to do. And that's what their audience needs me to do as well. Yeah. Amazing. So I love how also in the past, you've been very open and honest about how you try to set up a business um like more than once and then for various reasons like it didn't happen and obviously now it has and um you know you're doing what you're doing but can you just talk me through like that whole scenario because i think it's such an inspiring story of sometimes we're sold becoming freelance is actually really easy and sometimes we're sold yeah it's not so easy and you know, I think it's easy to look at where you are now, for instance, and being like, oh she's a success. She's great. And it's probably always been great. But you know, you had to overcome quite a lot, right, to get to where you are now. I did, yes. So <laughs> I'm going to give you the the kind of highlights because it could be a really <laughs> long story. <laughs> but basically, I have, and I'm all, I've always wanted to write. I've always been writing. I didn't know 
that I could actually get paid to write. Because as you can imagine, and as, you, as everybody knows, there are certain kind of creative professions where people get paid pennies generally, and copywriting is one of them. So I think the very first proper freelance gig I kind of took on was 20 pounds, a blog post. Um, and I think I used to do, gosh, I used to do three sets of blog posts and it used to take me so long and I used to get paid so little. I calculated it recently and it was five pounds an hour basically that I used to get paid. And I just used to think, I, I don't understand this. How can anybody live on this? Or, or what am I doing wrong? Thinking, you know, the person offered to pay me 20 pounds for the blog post. So I mean, surely that's what it must be worth. Why is it taking me four or five hours to write this post? It, so that was my first kind of go at freelancing and it just didn't work out for that reason. Uh, someone else actually came to me around that time and I ended up doing um, a whole load of work for them and charging by the word. So I was charging 4p per word. A brochure that took me like two days to write, I got like 36, I think it was 36 pounds for it. Wow. And I just remember thinking, this is insane. And my son was born at that point. And so I was doing this in between his, his naps and I was just exhausted. I had not long had a C-section actually. And um, I mean, God, there's so, uh, a cesarean section, there's so many times I tried. I can't, I can't even, I could not even go back and describe every single time. This is just one yeah. of the times. And I, I generally say it was three times that I've tried, two times that I tried to set up the business and the third time is the time that it worked. But really there were a few more times in between that. But those, those three times when I really seriously sat down and was like, this is what I want to do. And the first two times it just did not work out. And then it got to the point where, so the second time, um, I thought, right, I, I really do want to do this. I want to do this. I'm going to try and do it. I came up with a name. I came up with Ink House. I did the website. I um, all I needed to do was really like write up the copy for the website. But the website was there. I had the domain, everything, and I was ready to do it and get started. But I wasn't. I didn't believe that I could do it. My confidence was really lacking because I had tried it before and it didn't work. Yeah. But I was seeing other people do it, so I kind of thought, well, they're doing it. How how can I do it? Um, but just I didn't have the confidence. So I was still applying for jobs kind of on the side and really I didn't have both feet in that was my yeah. you know kind of safety net and I just thought to myself okay I am going to do this and then I got a call asking me to go to interview so I did I went to that interview and I ended up taking that job and that job was me running the communications department of a food charity now it was a like an hour and a half commute there in the mornings and then an hour back so altogether I was on the I was on the motorway every day for about two and a half to three hours your son is how old at this point like one he was he was two at this two, point yeah. and so I I felt like I knew that I wanted to set up a business I knew that I had I didn't have the confidence to do it this job allowed me to do everything that I wanted to do in my business and more for someone else in a team so I thought well I can finally you know be in a team again and I can finally get some guidance and some support and some structure in my career because I had no idea what I was doing or how to do it. I'm like, yeah, my son was two at that point. So he was in nursery every day and I couldn't get back in time to pick him up from nursery. So 
I had to hire a childminder to go and pick him up um, after after nursery. Anyway, I would try my best to get home as fast as possible, uh, but you know, it. I just never, I never could get back in time for to see him awake. So I'd get home at about anything between half seven to eight, and um, he'd be asleep on the sofa because he refused to go to bed. He wanted to wait up for me, and I'd come in every day, and he was asleep. And I was just, it got worse and worse every time that it happened. I was just so upset. And then work kind of was bleeding into my weekends and my evenings. And I wasn't being paid for overtime. And I just was so exhausted by the whole thing. And I was so unhappy. Bear in mind, you know, every morning I leave my house at eight and I come back at eight. And not seeing my son as much as I wanted to. And I was thinking the whole reason I'm working is to make, you know, a better life for us. This isn't creating the life that I wanted. It just the whole thing seems entirely pointless. And so I asked my manager if I could work from home more because it was definitely a job that I could have done from home. But he said, no, that's not what he wanted. So I said, okay, I actually asked for a pay rise too. I asked for a specific figure and, um, he agreed to a pay rise, but not the figure that I'd asked for. Mm. And um, I considered staying. And then I just, I, I decided to resign. I decided to resign because I was just so unhappy. And I had no backup job. I had no savings. I had no idea how things were going to look. All I knew was that I had this business idea. I had a business name, Ink House. I had this website, inkhouse.org.uk. And I thought, well, now is the time to do it. I have more confidence. I have more experience. I am a, I'm in a better position than I was a year ago in terms of the skills and the knowledge that I have. I even had a bit of a network by that point. And so, yeah, I resigned. I had to work a month's notice. And on the Friday, um, that I left that job. An hour later, the CEO of that, <laughs> of that charity sent me a text asking if they could hire me as a freelancer. Wow. So they officially became kind of my first in-house client. By Monday, I had another client. That's nice, isn't it? Getting that first little bit of momentum because that's often the hardest, yes. you know? Yeah. first bit or that first little bit of having your business is where you're like, okay, I've done it. I'm freelance. And you look at everyone else, you're like, she's freelance and she's killing it. But you have to remember like, you know, that first little bit yes. is where it's so difficult. It's so hard. It's a journey. And, and, you know, even then I wasn't at the point where I needed to be. I still had no idea how to run a business. Yeah. I had been listening to an amazing podcast called Top Copy Podcast, which taught me kind of everything I knew at that point about how to set up a copywriting business. And I was charging 15 pounds an hour at that point and still I remember thinking then this is not going to work if I don't make more money this there's no way this is going to work I can't survive on this and I don't have any more time I'm working all the hours and I'm not making very much at all I don't know what to do how do I do this so I ended up getting a copywriting coach who was actually the host of that podcast that copy podcast that I just mentioned and I remember booking a half hour session, coaching session with her as like an add on to the membership that I just joined with her. And I remember telling my relative how much I paid for that coaching session. And she just thought I was completely insane. Yeah. But I felt, I knew in my gut at that time that this was an investment that I had to make. And I was right because within two weeks I had, I had made that money back 10 times over. 
and within a few months I'd quadrupled my rates and then a month later I had my best financial month ever at that point and yeah I was finally an actual business owner yeah that's so interesting to hear because last week I had um actually a women's um Kat Horrocks who's a business coach and a women's life coach and I think that's the thing that more and more I'm getting is essentially what we said earlier as well if someone was to invest in your service to help them you're kind of like well I've got the time to do it or I've got the time to write my own copy but if you have someone else to help you out as a freelancer we don't have to do it all as a creative you know, create the things that you're there to do that you're the expert in. So for me, I'm a nutritionist. I'll do the nutritioning, nutritioning. I've just made up a word there, (laughs) but like we should invest more. And like the abundant way of life is, you know, in, in investing in you and in putting money where you're like, this is a lot of money, but then someone's going to look at back at you and your business and think it's a lot of money, but it's worth it as well. So I mean, what a brave and powerful step though, especially with a four-year-old was it four no so he's three three he was he was two at that point he's four now okay so you've had your business now for two years is that yeah two years in September and I suppose part of what you did was because you were a mother as being a mother like it's I mean like I'm using the word brave because it is but I bet at the time for you it was just incredibly scary or what was going through your head then at the time like how did that you know being a mother changed the whole dynamic because that's a lot yeah it was terrifying I I was really scared but I also remember being excited yeah and feeling like I could finally create the life that I wanted for me and my son the whole point was that the job that I was in didn't allow me to be a mum the way that I wanted to be and I mean, if I told you, gosh, some of the conversations that I had in that workplace, I, I, I remember, oh gosh, it was, it was really difficult. And I just remember thinking, I, I can see other people doing this. I, I know that there's, there's a way to do this. I just have to work it out, which is why I was so happy to pay someone to show me because I really believe that we don't have to spend years and years trying to figure something out on our own when we can go to people and pay them to give us their expertise and their knowledge and save us years, genuinely years. Time is money as well, right? (laughs) Right, yeah, honestly. And yeah, I think being 100% being a mum gave me the motivation and determination to really keep at it and gave me the drive that I needed. I mean, I've always had drive and obviously I don't believe that you need to have kids to have drive. I had I had, I was full of drive before I had a son, but I think having my son really made me take this more seriously than I ever have before. It was kind of just something that I really wanted to do because I felt like, you know, I could do it and that's what I wanted. And by the time I had my son, this was something that I needed to do because I needed to create a lifestyle that worked for us. And obviously anyone who is listening, who is a business owner knows how hard it is to run your own business and how actually often you end up spending, you know, working more than you did on your own business than you did for anyone else's. But weeks like this, like I just this morning and all this week, actually, uh, my son has been transitioning to, to start school. And so we have these taster days, which are like slap bang in the middle of the day. Um, 
three days of the week, which I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine for those parents who are in kind of traditional work, trying to work out how to make that happen. And I'm so grateful, particularly at times like these, where I just remember how amazing it is that, you know, I'm able to run my own business and manage my own timetable. It was as simple as taking him to the school, whatever time I wanted and finding a local cafe, sitting down, opening up my laptop and getting stuff done. And just being able to manage my own life and, and, you know, be the mum that I want to be has been so liberating and it was terrifying and it was exciting as well. but it's been so so worth it yeah I think that's the thing is it is I guess you know sometimes there's maybe this opinion of like freelance people you can take time off whenever you want and you can go and pick up your son in the middle of the day which kind of seems like this luxurious thing but actually you know it is you know I'm not saying harder but it's incredibly difficult to be your own business owner owner especially as a self-employed or freelance person you know um because you are your own like manager and cheerleader and salesperson and IT technician and finance manager and like you know and you can hire people to support you in that but essentially it does come down to you and that luxury is kind of like double-edged sword I guess you know it's incredibly difficult and then for you I can't even imagine you have this thing of like a child as well you know to look after which is um yeah I mean amazing and wonderful but also like another element you're now like a mother as well as everything else so thank you (laughs) yeah no it's insane so I mean on top of all that I know you take time and you you know you've talked about investment and self-investment and you know when we spoke before you were saying about how you also invest in yourself and your mental health and your physical health so what what else do you do you do to kind of stay feeling good I guess as well Oh, okay. I, I do so much actually. Well, it feels like a lot. It might not be as much as some people, but, and this is why lockdown was so worrying for me because I have such a, I have a really tight routine and, you know, I have a, what's the word? I guess like a whole mental health kind of regime in place to keep me sane and to keep me going and yeah as with everyone as it as it did for everyone lockdown just completely messed that up so generally I I have a personal trainer I remember I'm big on investment so I I guess I pay for a lot of things but I I really believe in this so I have a personal trainer and I used to see her two times a week and it's gone down to one time a week uh, once a week now but doing that exercise and um, not even for physical purposes, I actually started it for, um, for mental health reasons to just, I don't know, just to feel better, I think. Yeah. And um, that was about two and a half years ago. And I've just, I've kept it up since. And gosh, the the physical results are just like a bonus, which is amazing. But yeah, so I have my personal trainer. I also have a therapist that I see. And it took me a long time to even consider therapy. I think there's so much, there's so much baggage that comes with that um, for anyone, but then also as someone who is from an African and Caribbean background, we like culturally, we don't do therapists. We don't 
we don't do going and you know talking through your problems you have a problem you deal with it and you get on with your life like that is what we're taught my grandma is the most amazing woman she has been through so much including the the death of i feel like this is should be there should be a trigger warning but in terms of like that she's experienced multiple deaths of her children um you know her children having cancer she was raised she was an orphan growing up she has just been through so much and culturally mm. she was just taught to deal with it you just get on with it and the idea of so many people in my family don't even know that I see a therapist I'm here talking about this on a podcast but <laughs> so many people in my own family don't even know this because we just don't do it right so having so of like why why why, why yeah why, why do you need to do that why are yeah you exactly that? <laughs> and, and what for exactly yeah. you could what be did I do wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly all of that and then on top of that then there's the Muslim perspective where where I mean from from as a Muslim and in our religion there is absolutely nothing wrong with going to see a therapist and you 100% should um you know if you need to and not even if you need to if you want to but culturally amongst the Muslim community there is a huge stigma around going to see a therapist Mm. because again there's that idea that you should just deal with it Mm. we believe in god trust god and deal with it you don't need to talk to anyone else just get on with it but that's not the case my religion doesn't teach me that Mm. Um, but it's hard when that's what people around you are teaching you and i don't even mean my family my family don't teach me that but you know the community that you grow up in so there's that um, so that's a huge thing that I even went to go see a therapist and I have been for a number of years. And it's interesting because it got to the point now where I feel like I don't feel like I need a therapist anymore, but it's such a, an important part of my, again, just mental well-being regime that I'm like, oh, do I really want to mess with that balance right now? <laughs> um, I think it's nice to put those things in place when you don't need them yes. because then shit will happen because it will happen. Like yeah. Corona will happen. A pandemic will happen. And at that point, rather than being like, okay, I was kind of okay, but I was on the edge. And now I'm like off the edge of the cliff because life's blown up in my face. You're just like, okay I have my habits I have my you know my routines I have all these things I've spoken about you can apply them and that definitely doesn't mean that life is suddenly like easy breezy but Mm -hmm. because you've worked through so much by that point I think it's just like being one step ahead of the curve I say to everyone I'm like everyone needs to get a therapist me too (laughs) even if you don't think you need it there's something you need need to talk about need it way more (laughs) that's what I say it's so true and I just like I don't need it I'm like "Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) you know there's um gosh right when all this lockdown stuff happened really interestingly there were reports that people who have been living with anxiety dealt with lockdown so much better because we have already lived with anxiety we know what it's like to live with anxiety we already have the tools to deal with it and live with it and yeah. suddenly you know huge swaths of, of people are being you know crippled by anxiety have never experienced it before have never felt it before don't even know what it is maybe don't even know like they're feeling it and don't even know that it's anxiety mm. and you know just have no clue what to do so that was really interesting and i did feel better equipped i'm honestly i did feel much better equipped for full lockdown it was such a huge shock to everyone's you know mental state I think 
but I think I was able to deal with it really well because of these systems that I've had in place for so long. And you're right. That's why I have not stopped therapy because I feel like I'm okay now, but you know, I don't, I don't think you only need to be in therapy when something terrible is happening or has happened. And I think just keeping that constant there has been a really, um, a really important thing. I think it's really important for people to feel like they have a safe space that they can, you know, go to like an, an anchor. And it's like constant yeah. digestion of life, really. And I suppose as yeah. again, as like we're talking about the freelance thing a lot, but like as a freelance person, you don't go and I mean you work in a co-working space, so maybe you have that to some extent, but you don't go and have like team meetings or like go to you know lunch with your team because your team might for a lot of the time just be you, even if you do have other support systems there. And actually, you know, even going to get a coffee and like having a whinge with someone at work, you know, and that's like, I mean, in a really positive way, like you just talk about life and you just process it. And then you're like, okay, you know, and I'm not saying that equates to therapy, but there is that kind of digestion and process and talking, which potentially if you're by yourself, you know, in an office um, or a single, you know, one man band kind of thing, then, you know, you're not getting that sort of expression of whatever's going on for you. I agree. And that's one of the reasons I joined a co-working space because I felt so isolated. And funnily enough, I love working by myself. And I think most freelancers would say the same, like, you know, we love working by ourselves. Probably one of the reasons we decided to, but it doesn't necessarily mean we like being alone all the time. It's nice to be able to choose when to be alone. So that's why I I decided to invest in a co-working space. And again, you know, it's funny all, I keep coming back to investment. I was working in a co-working space a while ago that was really, really cheap, great. Um, but it was in the city center and I was paying a whole lot for parking and the whole, the building was, was gray and just, um, really, I just kind of felt really uninspired and like blah every time I went in and also really, annoyed me because I knew I was spending a lot of money to be there because of the parking situation and for anyone who's wondering well why didn't you just get public transport my time schedule didn't allow it for it I couldn't get back to pick up my son in time if I got public transport so I thought well after I looked at my finances and I thought I'm spending all this money on parking I let me just go and find another nice co-working space that I really love and that I want to be in that has free parking so I searched and searched and I found this space that has free parking by the way and um it is much more expensive, but it is stunning. And I am excited to come here in the mornings and I am happy to, like I walk in and it raises my spirits. And I think that's really important. So again, another thing that I invested in was that, was being around people. And I can lock myself away in a room and just get stuff done. And then, you know, um, enter out of that room, you know, leave that room and go to the cafe and chat when I want to. But um. I mean, just going back to what I actually kind of do to take care of myself, my, it was my therapist that suggested I I try, that I join the gym. And once I joined the gym, I realized that I'm one of those people, like I said, I like to pay people to show me how to do something properly. So I'm not wasting my time. (laughs) So I invested in the personal trainer and it was my therapist again, who told me to, um, try to get massages because anxiety and whatever's going on for you mentally manifests physically as well. And so she suggested 
people need to go and get regular massages, which I, I jumped at that chance. Um, I yeah. tried to book myself in, <laughs> minus lockdown, I tried to book myself in for a monthly massage and you would be amazed, just yeah. like the knots and the pain that you didn't even know was there. I did not know until I started getting massages that I walk around with like my shoulders hunched yeah. like under my like, I don't know, jawline. It's just awful. And that's just all the stress and just the, the general pressures of life. Um, so that's been amazing too. And I just, I want to go back to this whole investment thing. And, and I, it's always been hard for me to, to invest in things because I, you know, I would say that my business didn't actually start making me a good amount of money until fairly recently. And so it's not a situation of, oh, I have all this money to spend or I had all this money to spend and I did. It was a case of, okay, I, I, need, I need to go to therapy. I don't have money to go to therapy right now. Where can I get this money from? What do I need to cut down on in the rest of my life in order to be able to afford this thing that I really need and that will change my life? And so I just want to say to anyone who is thinking about investing in a thing and is, you know, worried about doing it or considering not doing it because they think they can't afford it, I, I really think that that is a there are some situations in which you really can't. And I've been in those situations where you really can't afford a thing, but really just take a step back and think about it. Is there anywhere else that you can, is there, are there any aspects of your life that you can change or amend, even if it's just cutting down on, you know, a takeaway a week so that you can afford this thing that you want or need. And I think that theme of investment runs throughout my life in my business. I invest heavily in my business and training and mentorship and I am always happy to do so. And then, you know, I did find it hard investing personally in my, in, you know, my personal life. But then I had to sit down and just have a talk with myself and think, why is it so easy for me to invest in my business? And I find it so much harder to invest in my mental health. And that was what made me go and invest in all the things I needed to for my own health. Definitely. And I think that's also maybe like a cultural thing where we're told, oh, it's um, like, like you're kind of splashing out or it's luxurious or it's being, you know, like putting yourself first too much or selfish or whatever. But for me, I've always just found that investment, whatever it's in, has led, you know, both in my own emotional and mental health, but also in my business that pays dividends like when you invest in therapy and then you feel so much better so you give more to your relationships and then you give more to your friends and you give more to your home life or you invest in an accountant or a business coach and that brings in you know dividends in terms of you know new clients or a better balance of work life or a new way of working so investment it's called investment for a reason you know you put money in and you get something back be that yes. more money be that emotional health be that like like psychological stability or whatever it is so you know it's not money down the drain and a lot of things in life is money down the drain and exactly like what you're saying like maybe we need to reconsider where some things are going and redirect and work out what matters you know and like what will help and invest in that because that will pay dividends in time or very quickly, like the next day sometimes. A hundred percent. And I just want to add to that that I was listening to um, Holly Bray, actually, who has a really great podcast. She runs a, um, a business called The Branch of Holly. And her, I can't remember what her podcast is called, 
blog, blog it, bust it radio, I think. Um, and in one of those episodes, she talks about you dividing your day into doing, you know, money-making activities at the start of your day. Mm. And one of the first things she said was, you taking care of yourself is a money-making activity. Yeah. And that changed my whole life. You are your own best asset. You have to take care of yourself before you take care of anything else. And I feel like this isn't something I'm practicing right now in this moment in time. And I think that it's great that we're having this conversation to remind me actually, because I really believe in this. And there will be times that you don't take care of yourself as you should be. But I think that if you know how to take care of yourself, you can at least, you know, try to keep going back to that. And the idea of you being your own, you know, your own best asset and you being your money making, taking care of yourself being a money making activity. I think that's life changing. Yeah, I love that. It's so it's so important a message. And I also just want to touch on because you mentioned, you know, being um, black and a Muslim, obviously the cultural um, shifts in in that. Have you found that that's changed you as a businesswoman or um, made it easier or harder? Or how's that experience been for you? this could be a whole like podcast episode know, of like, its own. <laughs> wait, this is going to go on for a while. <laughs> it has been, well, firstly, I am really proud of my background of my, um, of, you know, my, where I'm from, who I am, my faith. I, so that's something, that's the first thing. That's the first thing I just want to say. And then the next thing is it's been a journey I think I felt like a lot of people have underestimated me. And I think to add on top of being a female, black, Muslim woman, visibly Muslim, who wears a hijab, who um, is also quite young, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, I'm 28. I started my business at 26. I felt like some people have maybe not taken me as seriously as they should have, but eventually when they kind of got when they got to know me they have taken me seriously but I also think just small things like people asking to see your portfolio or writing samples when I, that sounds like a normal thing and it can be a normal thing but there have been instances where I felt like I, I do you want to check that I can speak English or that I can write properly because you look at me and you feel like English is not my first language yeah. or that I can't communicate properly and that that translates into kind of every every aspect of, of my life and people's lives who and all or most people you know who look like me from getting on a bus and a bus driver slowing their speech and really you know um exaggerating their like movements and whatever thinking that you can't speak English and it's it's it can be really frustrating it can be really frustrating and I think the conversation that we've been having recently about putting people who maybe don't look like the majority um forward and listening to their voices more I think that's really important but not just on this matter not just when it's time to talk about race or inequality or discrimination yeah. we have we have a voice, we have things to say about everything. So um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been an experience. I have definitely felt like, oh, there have been times when it's 
been a positive thing for me because I think people remember me. They don't see a lot of people that look like me. So it's, I think for some people, it's hard to forget me, which is a great thing. And another positive thing is I get a lot of messages from other people who look like me and dress like me and who, I guess, find hope in seeing someone who looks like them doing the thing that they want to do and knowing that it is possible. And I think that's really important. And although I feel really uncomfortable with that because I don't like the idea of being anyone's role model, um, just because that's just a lot of pressure. Um, I, I remember what it was like for me looking at other Muslim women, hijab wearing women who visibly look like me, who were in the spotlight, who were running their businesses like absolute bosses and thinking, wow they look like me and they're doing amazingly and remember for those who for those people who kind of can't imagine my experience we don't see a lot of people who look like us usually doing the things that we want to do you know we don't go on we don't listen to podcasts a lot and hear black muslim women or you know really a lot of black women honestly um or just Muslims, honestly, <laughs> like the whole shebang, just all of it. We don't, we don't hear and see other people like us a lot. So when we do, it's a huge thing. And I'd love to get to the place where it's not a huge thing, where it's just yeah. a normal thing. Yeah. Amazing. Where do you see your work and your business going next? Do you have, do you set goals? Do you, do you see it going somewhere? Or is it just kind of like, let's just see what happens or what's, what's next for you? Yes, I do. I do have, have lots of goals. Um, at the, right now, short term, I'm rebranding. I am working. I'm currently, I'm throwing my existing website in the bin and starting again. <laughs> and so I'm hoping by the launch date that we have in mind now is 1st of September. But I mean, I can't make any guarantees at this point. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually going to be ready, but we're going to try our best. So hopefully by 1st of September, I'll have um, an amazing new website that actually represents me and that will hopefully drive my business um, forward. Um, I am in the middle of relaunching my online copywriting course because a lot of small business owners approach me to work with me but don't necessarily have the money to hire a copywriter or hire anyone else for that matter. So I would really like to make, you know, learning copywriting accessible to all small, small business owners. So I'm working on that at the moment. And in the long term, I really want to cut down to a four day week so that I can spend Fridays just doing whatever I want to do and have an extra weekend. That um, is a money making activity. I feel like it. <laughs> I feel like if, I know it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not going to happen right now, but it is a goal. And I've, I've, that is something that I want, I want to work towards. Yeah. And then I just have my general kind of my financial goals, things that I know that numbers that I know that I want to hit. And companies and people that I want to work with as well. Yeah, amazing. Gosh, it's so cool to hear. Um, so little final thing. I feel like we could go on, but, um, you know, we'll keep it. We'll, we'll, we'll stop soon. Um, as you know, the podcast is called Human Being to Whole Being. And I think you've covered quite a lot of it already. But, you know, it's this idea of like health is something different to everyone. So is there one thing or a few things that does give you that sense of being a whole being? wow um put you on the spot i know yeah no there's just so many i think i think right now unplugging probably does i uh, like most people if i'm going to be completely honest right now i feel like i'm i'm on my phone a lot i'm on my laptop a lot um i you know i love walking and listening to podcasts and i'm a podcast binger but that means that i never feel like i'm really just getting 
rest. Like my brain is never just off. And so I love taking walks with my son or alone and just unplugging from the world and not looking at my phone and actually sometimes leaving my phone at home if I, if I can and just being in the moment. I think as a business owner, my brain is always on and I think most business owners can relate to that. There's just this constant commentary just running. Your business is always running in your mind, right? And to be able to just switch that off, I think, and not think about the future, not plan for the future, not worry about the future, not think about the past and have regrets about the past and just enjoy this very moment. The activities that allow me to do that is probably where I feel most whole and human. Definitely. God, that resonates with me a lot as well. Especially when you've got an online business, which you do. Again, like a double-edged sword because it's a blessing. Yes. But then you're like, but my phone and my laptop can come everywhere with me. So. Exactly. Exactly. I'm working on it. I'm working on getting better. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Honestly, I'm so inspired. Um, I think everyone needs to get themselves a copywriter. And will you just let everyone know where they can find you if they do want to get in touch? Yeah. So my website is inkhouse.org.uk and you can follow me on social media or join my newsletter from any of these social media platforms at Inkhouse Writing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Well, I hope to come and check out your little greenhouse co-working space soon. So do come visit me. I'm like, I'm outside. I'm ready for the plants. I'm like plants as well. So it's amazing. No, we'll do it. We'll definitely do it. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking and we'll chat soon. Bye.